0: Good evening and uh, welcome to our weekly Bible study and we're going to continue through the book of Job and for this evening we're going to look at Job chapter 6 so let's have a look at that passage together Job chapter 6 starting to read at verse 1 Then Job replied If only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas No wonder my words have been impetuous THE ARROWS OF THE ALMIGHTY ARE IN ME, MY SPIRIT DRINKS IN THEIR POISON, GOD'S TERRORS ARE marshalled AGAINST ME, DOES A WILD DONKEY BRAY WHEN IT HAS GRASS, OR AN OX BELLOW WHEN IT HAS FODDER, IS TASTELESS FOOD EATEN WITHOUT SALT, OR IS THERE FLAVOR IN THE SAP OF THE MALLOW, I REFUSE TO TOUCH IT, SUCH FOOD MAKES ME ILL or oh, that I might have my request that God would grant what I hoped for, that God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut off my life, then I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. What strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? Do I have the strength of a stone? Is my flesh bronze? Do I have any power to help myself? Now that success has been driven from me, anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable, as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow. When darkness, by thawing ice, and swollen with melted snow, but that stop flowing in the dry seasons, and in the heat vanish from their channels. Caravans turn aside from their routes; they go off into the wastelands and perish. The caravans of Timah look for water. The travelling merchants of Sheba look in hope. They are distressed because they had been confident. They arrive there only to be disappointed. Now, you too have proved to be of no help. You see something dreadful and you are afraid. Have I ever said, give me something on my behalf? Pay a ransom for me from my wealth? Deliver me from the hand of the enemy? Rescue me from the clutches of the ruthless? Teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. How painful are honest words. But what do your arguments prove? Do you mean to correct what I say and treat my desperate words as wind? You would even cast lots for the fatherless and barter away your friend. But now, be so kind as to look at me. Would I lie to your face? Relent. Do not be unjust. Reconsider. For my integrity is at stake. Is there any wickedness on my lips? Can my mouth not discern malice? That's a long passage, but uh, let's just pray before we look at it together. Our Father, we thank you again for your words. And again, we ask that you will teach us through these these trials that Job is going through, that we might be able to uh, apply them when we are faced with trials and tribulations or when we are called to help others who are. Our Father, just guide us now through this passage as we come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, for this evening, I've titled this, What Have You Got To Say About That Job? You see, Eliphaz is suggesting that God will show mercy to those who merit his blessing in exchange for good works. His mistake is that he's leaving no room for God's grace. We do not merit his blessing. We do not earn his blessing. Faithfulness is true recognition of who God is. And our blessings come to us when we accept from him what we do not deserve. That is his acceptance of us. By his grace, we are saved. But that doesn't mean that we'll have an easy life. Certainly not while we're here on this world. If we examine Eliphaz's words in the light of scripture, we will see that there is truth in them. But he presents only one side of the truth. If you say that every coin has a head, that is true. But you must also say that every coin has a tail. Eliphath's statements are true, but it doesn't mean that when your life is right with God, that he will always give you a pain-free existence. The truth is that he can, and at times he does, but not always we've already seen this here the lord can give and the lord take away both cases the lord is to be praised praised when he gives and also praised when he takes away if eliphaz's assumptions are right then faithful christians would never suffer and if they did suffer it would only be because of their unfaithfulness to God. Remember what Eliphaz said to Job. This is what he said. Consider now who, being innocent, has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? In other words, he's saying men, who are innocent and upright in the eyes of God will always live a carefree, joyful life, and they will live to a ripe old age. Eliphaz's suggestion seems to imply that Christians who live godly lives only ever suffer in this world when they offend God. Let's just stop for a moment and consider that because most religions are based on this assumption you please the gods and they will bless you upset the gods and you will be punished your posterity is the result of pleasing the gods and your hardships are there because you have in some way upset them this is the basis of most world religions now the lesson from the book of Job or one of the lessons is to confirm that Christianity unlike other religions is not based on a God who rewards people for their goodness that they show towards him on the contrary it is about people who are not fit to be in the presence of God but who are being accepted by him not for what they have done for him but for what he has done for them The truth is that Christians do suffer. And sometimes it is because of their faithfulness to God. You know, we have examples of this. We have examples all the way through Scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament. Let's just consider one or two for a moment. Joseph suffered. David suffered. The greatest person ever to suffer was Jesus. God's own son suffered. The disciples and the Apostle Paul suffered. We have here in in our country, um, in our church history, people like Latimer, Ridley, Cranmer, and others, others throughout the world who suffered. And in our own day, we can think of um, the book Through Gates of Splendour, the account of the five young men, Jim Elliot, Pete Fleming. Ed McCully, Nat Saint, and Roger Uderin, who died in their attempts to take the gospel to the Orca tribe in eastern Ecuador. Many would say at that time, how could God allow these faithful men to suffer and to die? And you know, there are still many who today are suffering and dying because of the gospel, And for those who will refuse to recant their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the result of all this is that you and I can be here this evening. Learning about why Job and these other people suffered. Why did they suffer? Well, one of the things was because like job they knew that naked they came from their mother's womb and naked they shall depart the lord gave and the lord has taken away and may the name of the lord be praised and the name of the lord has been praised through all those who have gone before us and suffered in the way that we've just mentioned but how do we as believers cope with our day-to-day situations that bring about pain and suffering We as believers are not immune from illness, disease, financial hardships, broken relationships. And and at the moment, we are all feeling the weight that COVID-19 is having on our lives, the lives of everybody, including faithful, God-fearing Christians. So here's a question. How are we to cope? How do we cope? Well, let's go and listen to Paul, because Paul recognized this problem. He lived this problem, and he knew the solution to it. And he speaks from experience, and this is what he has to say to the believers in Corinth. This is in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. And he said, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. You see, we, like them in Corinth, feel the weight, the the daily pressures pressing down on us. So, how can these few words from Paul encourage us? Well, first of all, he tells us that, you know, it's possible that at the moment you're in a bad place, and that's to be expected, that's not unusual. He's saying, while you're in that place, you might feel perplexed, and it's right to do so. That is baffled, puzzled, as we, like Job, ask the question, why me? But in that little reference from Paul, we have that word, but. And this is what he says. He's acknowledged that we are and can be in this situation of suffering and not knowing why. He says, but as believers. That's great, isn't it? And then he goes on, but as believers, we will not be crushed or driven to despair. You see, despair is a state of hopelessness. And we are not without hope. I want to give you a little quote here from R.C. Sproul, from his book. It's called Surprised by Suffering. It's a good book, actually. And this is what he says. He says this. To suffer without Christ is to risk being totally and completely crushed. I've often wondered how people cope with the trials of life without the strength found in him. That is the strength found in Jesus. And in 1 Peter, another, one of the apostles who knew about suffering, in 1 Peter 1 verse 21, he said this, Through him you believe in God God, the Him is Jesus, through Jesus you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. You see, Joe at the moment has nothing for himself or in himself, nothing that he can do to, to relieve this situation, but with the Lord he has hope. So let's see how Job is going to uh, answer Eliphaz and the things that he says. as, As we hear what he has to say. Eliphaz, we saw last week, finished what he had to say on this occasion with these words. And this is Job chapter 5 verse 27. We have examined this and it's true. So hear it and apply it to yourself. See, the trying to tell Job what to do and they don't really understand the situation. So what does Job have to say to this? Well, Job 6, verse 1 through to 7, we're going to see that. Then Job replied, If only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. No wonder my words have been impetuous. What's happening here? Job is saying, look, you can see that I'm being crushed. What did you expect me to say when you heard those words that I've just said out aloud? And then we go on to verse 4. The arrows of the mighty are in me. My spirit drinks in the poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. You see, what he's saying is, look, the Lord is piercing my body with pain and because of that my thoughts are being poisoned and I I, I don't know which way to turn and I'm scared. Then he goes on in verse 5. Does a wild donkey bray when it has grass or an ox bellow when it has fodder? Is tasteless food eaten without salt or is there flavour in the sap of the mallow? Some versions say they're in the white of an egg. You see, Job here is stating the obvious. He's saying to them, look, I'm crying out because I am in need and I have no way of making things any better. I'm looking for help. And then in verse 7 he said, I refuse to touch it, but food makes me ill. What he's saying to his friends here, do you expect me to just accept what's happening to me? And your words are unpalatable. So would you expect me to eat tasteless food? I'm crying out because I'm not being fed. Then we come to a plea from Job for the Lord to help. This is verse 8 through to verse 10. He says, Oh, that I might have my request that God would grant what I hope for. There's the word hope. Job is still looking to God and his hope is in him, in God. But what is it that Job is asking for? Verse 9 tells us, that God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut off my life. Job here has no thought of taking his own life. But Job is hard-pressed. But he knows that his life is in God's hands. And his request is to God. And the request is that God would crush the life out of him. And the words there, that God would be willing, they speak volumes. They tell us that his hope is still in the will of God. That's for us to be encouraged by. But then we come to verse 10. Then I would still have this consolation. He's telling us why he's making this request. My joy in unrelented pain that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. See, his desire is not to offend God. Not to the onlooker. Job is a pathetic sight. To his friends, he is a man suffering at the hands of God due to some terrible sin that he has committed. He must have done. That could be the only reason for his state. But his heart, Job's heart, is blameless and upright. A man whose desire is for God to free him from his pain and take him as a faithful servant, who he sees that Within all this suffering, the only value in this suffering is in the joy that Job will have when he is with his Lord and when he's with his Lord as a true and faithful servant. Let's go on because in this next section, Job has no hope in his own ability. We're talking about hope here. And in verse 11 through to 13, What strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? Do I have the strength of stone? Is my flesh bronze? Do I have any power to help myself now that success has been driven from me? You know, it's when Job reaches the point that he has no hope in his own efforts. And that all his hope will be in the Lord. And this hope that he has in the Lord is being tested. He needs to have now let go of the hope that he has in himself. But what hope does he have in his friends? Well, let's find out as we go on. And this section, verse 14 to 23, we could title this or ask the question Job has no confidence in his friends let's read through those verses as we look at them together verse 14 through to verse 20 anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the almighty but my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams as the streams that overflow when darkened by thawing ice and swollen with the melting snow But the stop flowing in the dry season and in the heat vanish from their channels. Caravans turn aside from their roots. They go off into the wastelands and perish. The caravans of Timah look for water. The travelling merchants of Sheba look in hope. They are distressed because they had been confident. They arrived there only to be disappointed. Job here is talking about his distress and his his disappointment, his disappointment in his friends and what they're saying, he's saying to them, this is what you are like. You're being of no help to me. You're full of your own importance. Do you not fear God? Do you not know that God doesn't want you to be like this? And he's saying to them, where is your love? You're like streams that overflow one moment and then the next moment they're just parched riverbeds. You can't depend on them. You can't rely on them being there when you want them. You're like travellers expecting to find water where they know it should be, but when they get there, there is none. That causes them then to wander off, looking for it, only for them to die of thirst in the desert. And he's saying to them, I had so much hope in you when I saw you coming. But you know... What I've heard so far, this is not what I expected. Listen to verse 21 through to 23. Now you too have proved to be of no help. You see something dreadful and are afraid. Have I ever said, Give something on my behalf? Pay a ransom for me from your wealth? Deliver me from the hand of the enemy. Rescue me from the clutches of the ruthless. What he's saying to them is this. Look, you've come to to help and you're no help at all. Because you see something that you don't like. And you're afraid that it will cost you if you come too close. If you come too close to the reality of my situation. And so the next section we could say that Job goes on and he says to them, why don't you say something useful? We find this in verse 24 through to 27. Teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. How painful are honest words. In other words, if the words hurt, if they're honest words, that's fine. How painful are honest words. But what do your arguments prove? Do you mean to correct me when I say and, and, and treat my desperate words as wind? You would even cast lots for the fatherless and barter away your friend. So what's happening here? He's saying, if you think that I deserve this, tell me why. What are you trying to prove Instead of listening to my cries for help, you just keep ignoring what I'm saying, and then you put your own two penneth worth in. And what you're actually doing, you're gambling with my emotions, you're gambling with my with me, you're questioning my integrity. And ultimately you're belittling my faith in God. And what Job is saying in this next few verses as we draw to Towards a close, he's saying, look, look, it's me, Job, look at me, I'm still here. Verse 28 through to 30. But now be so kind as to look at me, would I lie to your face? Relent, do not be unjust, reconsider, for my integrity is at stake. Is there any wickedness on my lips? Can my mouth not discern malice? What he's saying is, all I want you to do is look at me and believe what I'm saying. Don't prejudge me. You know me well enough to do me the courtesy, to see that if nothing else, that my honesty my integrity is still intact. So let this influence how you speak to me. Well, our time is gone for this evening and it is a long passage, but I want to leave us with two questions to finish. The first one is this. As they looked at Job, what did his friends see? Was it? broken man who's lost everything who's suffering under the hand of God apparently without a hope and because of this can't this man Job our friend be a true believer second question what do people see as they look at Jesus as he suffered and hung on the cross Let's just take a verse from Matthew 27, a few verses from there. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Did those people see Jesus, the King of the Jews, hanging on the cross? Do people today see that it's Jesus, the King of the Jews, hanging on the cross? Listen to Psalm 69, verse 20 and 21. These are words that apply to the suffering of Jesus as he hung on the cross. And this is how Job is feeling right now in the presence of his so-called friends Psalm 69, 21, uh, 20 to 21. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. You know, the answer to both those questions, how did Job's friends see him? And how do others see Jesus? The answer is, in both of them, we see a true and faithful servant fulfilling God's will. Shall we pray? Father, we just ask that you'll encourage us and lead us through this book of Job, that you might just remind us of, remind us of how you suffered and why you suffered Uh, Help us to see how we should suffer uh, and help us to see how we should comfort those who are suffering. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now next week, um, Job hasn't finished yet. He has quite a bit more to say. So we're going to have a look at that. But that's next week. In the meantime, maybe go back and just read Job chapter 1 through to chapter 6 and see how God can bless us by doing that. Say Amen to that. Amen.